and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the, the knowledge of the Son of God to mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up. listening to this particular episode of This American Life, the wonderful podcast on NPR, if you're looking for one, recommend it. Well, this particular episode, titled The Promised Land, told a story about a pair of sisters who lived 15 minutes from Disneyland. There was a problem, though. They were never able to go. You see, for their mom, this was just way too dangerous. I mean, think of all the terrible things Sorry, trainer kids. But it, but it wasn't just Disneyland. Because of, because of this mom's fear, her kids weren't able to do much of anything. No sports. I mean, just think of the brain injuries, the internal bleeding that they could suffer playing sports. No rides on school buses. I mean, they could be kidnapped after all, right? No, no walking their dog around the neighborhood. What would happen... They get if they got lost. I mean, at one point the mom compromised and said, "Okay, I will let you walk the dog around the corner on one condition. No joke. You have to leave a trail of popcorn as you walk, just in case you get lost. You can find your way home." Serious. So for these sisters, they could live without sports. They could live without school buses, but they couldn't live without Disney. So day after day, they would hound their mother. At one point, they even threatened to go on a 30-day fast from food and water to go to Disneyland. I mean, talk about commitment. All of this to no avail. Or so they thought. One day, their mom surprised them. Perhaps from guilt, who, who knows what. She liked to compromise with her kids. She offered them another compromise. She wouldn't take them to Disneyland. She hadn't completely lost her mind. But she would take them to the Disneyland Hotel for two weeks. So they packed up their suitcases, they loaded up the car, 
and 15 minutes later, they find themselves in the hotel parking lot. And while it was certainly better than being at home, it wasn't exactly what the sisters were hoping for. Because as great as it was to be at the hotel, you see, it was just a constant reminder to them of everything that they were missing out on. So one, one sister recalled, she said, we had a perfect view of Disneyland from our room. We'd watch people line up outside the entrance of the park an hour before. We could hear the music. At night, we could see the glow of the electric light parade down Main Street. Can you imagine what this would be like? To be, to be so close to experiencing Disneyland the way it was meant to be experienced, only to be prevented because of fear. of our, our fear of commitment or something else, we never fully experience the life of the church as God designed it. You see, God designed for the Christian life to be lived, to be experienced within the context of a committed community called the local church. So let me ask you, do you think of committing to a local church as a vital To experience the Christian life as God designed it. For you, is it more of, a, of an add-on? Something that, that's, it's, it's good for you if the circumstances work out, but it's not, it's, it's not really a big deal. So I think for the, for the majority of us in here, we're probably somewhere in the middle, right? Even those of us who are currently members of Grace Church, we, we have a vague notion that committing to a local church is a good thing. But we might also say that's not the most important thing in the world. I mean, we really shouldn't make too big of a deal out of it. You know, in this way, I think that we can we can think of committing to a local church like we think of eating broccoli. You know, intellectually, we know we need to eat broccoli. It's good for us. Or at least that's what our parents tell us. But no one really wants to eat broccoli. I mean, who here gets excited about eating broccoli? All right, so hands are going up. Tim, you had a shout-out in my sermon here, but apparently you're in good company. But if you're anything like me, committing to a local church could be like eating broccoli. Something you know you need to do, but it's nothing to get excited about. You're not writing home about the broccoli. So this morning, as we consider the church as a, as a committed people, I want to propose to you guys, to all of us here, that we'll only experience the Christian life as God designed it when we commit ourselves to the local church. You and me will only experience the Christian life that God intended for us to have when we commit ourselves to the local church. Now I know that many of you in here are members of Grace Church. I want to thank you for your commitment to this body. But that doesn't mean that this sermon's not for you. It's not the, not the time to check out. Because my hope, my prayer, is that as we look at the importance of the local church, as we look at the importance of church membership, that all of us collectively, that we will be refreshed, that we'll be reminded of the unique sweetness of our commitment 
consider together our commitment defined and our commitment destroyed. These are, these are two features of our commitment that are intended to help us experience all that God desires. So first, our commitment defined. If you've been tracking with me thus far, you probably know where I'm going. As we consider this commitment that I'm, that I'm arguing that Christians should have to the local church, I have in mind what's often referred to as church membership, what we call it here. But what exactly do we mean when we say church membership? I have a bit of a, a stuffy definition here, but I hope it's helpful. I want to define church membership as the formal relationship between a local church and a Christian characterized by the church's affirmation of and commitment to the Christian's discipleship and the Christian's commitment to living out their discipleship in the life or in the care of the church. In other words, church membership is all about taking responsibility, is all about the church taking responsibility for you and you for the church. And this is essential to living the life that God's designed for us because we're simply not going to grow as disciples apart from the local church. If you look at this definition of church membership, I just want to point out two factors, the how and the why. So first, right off the bat in the definition, we see that our commitment is formal. Now, as we think about church membership as a, as a formal relationship, maybe you're, you're asking yourself, but Josh, aren't I already a member of the church? Why do I need to commit myself to a local church if I'm already a member of the church? And that's a good question. And to answer it, we need to, we need to take a step back to see, to see how the Bible talks about the church. You see, in the New Testament, the authors speak of the church in at least two different ways. They speak of the, the church universal and the church local. The universal church and the local and the universal church refers to all Christians at all times in all places. There's no meeting times for the universal church. There's no parking lots for the universal church. So Jesus had in mind in Matthew 16 where he, he told his disciples, he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He's talking about his church, all Christians, at all places and all times. But we see that the Bible also talks about the local church. Christians gathering together in local congregations like this one. All the letters in the New Testament were written to individual churches. In Acts, you see time and time again, you see the church in Jerusalem, the church in Antioch, the church in Ephesus, and so on and so on. In the New Testament, we see this clear picture of local churches, Christians gathering together. So as we think about our membership in the church, we need to, to think of it in these two categories. If you're here, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ, if you've believed in the good news of what Jesus, of what Jesus has done for you in his life, death, and resurrection by God's grace, you are a member of the universal church. That is, that is true of you. That will not change. But our membership doesn't end there. Because the Bible always envisions members of this universal church living out that commitment locally as Christians gather together in individual congregations. It might be helpful to, to think of it this way. 
you know, on, on, on a clear night, and you go outside, and you look up in the sky, and you see the moon. So let's just say it's, it's a crescent moon, you know, God's thumbnail. And you look up at it, when you look at it and you see it, do you say, oh, look at that sliver of the moon? Or do you say, oh, look at the moon? Maybe an engineer would look up and say, oh, look at the sliver of the moon. But for most of us in here, we look up and we say, oh, look at the moon. That's right. When I look out and I say, Aubrey, and I'm holding her, I say, Aubrey, point to the moon. No matter what's up there, she looks up and she, she points to the big moon in the sky. You look at it and see, oh, that's a, that's a tangible portion of the larger body. And, and in seeing that little sliver of the moon, we're seeing the real thing. And that's what the local church is. That's what this local church is. It's a, it's a tangible way that the, that the larger body, the universal church, is seen. And so while, yes, it's true that if you're a, a Christian here, you're a member of the church universal, but it doesn't end there. It doesn't mean you're exempt from joining a local church. Because our membership in the church universal, it gets displayed by our membership in the local church. And so that's the half. Our commitment to local church is defined by a, by a formal relationship. We are identifying with a particular individual church. We have one caveat here. By, by formal, I don't mean forever. It's not always wrong to leave one church to go to another church. And for, for a lot of us in here, myself included, we, we left another church to come here. And, and it's not a sin to leave a church. But as we consider this formal relationship that we have with one another, I think it, is a, I think it should cause us to prayerfully consider any time we leave one church to go to another. Again, it's not a sin, but it is something that we should prayerfully consider because it is an important being a member of a church, it's, it's not about just having your name on the wall, which brings us to the why, the why for salvation. We consider church, or we, we consider our commitment defined, we consider the why of church membership, it's all about our mutual commitment to discipleship, the process of becoming like Jesus. You see in the definition there, in church membership, as we commit to one another, the church is committing to your discipleship, and you're committing to your in the context of the local church. We see this in the passage that we read as we open this sermon. Just look with me again at Ephesians 4, verses 15 and 16. This is kind of coming down to the point here. The Apostle Paul writes, he says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You see the goal of our commitment to one another? We're joined together, we're committed to one another so that we might grow together as we're built up in love. This doesn't happen in isolation. Without being joined to other believers, we're going to lack the strength and the nourishment that each member, including ourselves, is meant to wants each part of the body to receive this help and to give it to others. We also see this, this mutual commitment to discipleship in the New Testament practice of church discipline. This is, we just see pictures time and time again of what this commitment looks like. And we 
15, Jesus says, he says, if you refuse us to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if you refuse us to listen, even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax This last step of the redemptive process of church discipline, of telling it to the church, it doesn't make sense without some idea of church membership. When Jesus told his disciples this, to tell it to the church, he wasn't telling them that if there's a, a believer in unrepentant sin, you need to tell all Christians everywhere. Like, put it up on Facebook, send the news out all over, so that the Christians all over the world know about the strong member. No, that's not what he had in mind. But as Jesus told his disciples to tell it to the church, he had in mind some identifiable, some group of Christians who are committed to walking alongside one another, Christians who, who are committed to each other's mutual discipleship. Because the truth is that we, we all have areas of re- remaining sin in our life. And if you're anything like me, then, then you're about usually the last one to see it. So as we consider our mutual commitment to discipleship, we can, we can see the local church as a gift from God. He's giving us other Christians in this body who are committed to us and who are committed to our growth. And I've benefited from this many times over the last few years here at Grace Church as other brothers and sisters have, have gently pulled me aside, who have told me the ways that they've seen my life not lining up with the, with the Bible's teaching. And while I might not always receive that as God's grace in the moment, I'm able to take a step back, so I'm able to, to think about how this brother or sister lovingly encouraged me. I'm always so grateful that these brothers and these sisters were committed to my discipleship, that they loved me in this way. You see, this, this practice of church discipline, as we come to call it, from the first step of, of showing a brother or sister their sin, to the last step of telling it to the gathered church, it's meant to be for our growth in discipleship. The church membership will formally committing to the mutual discipleship of those in this church. That's, that's our work. And there's so much more that can be said here. As we, we look in the New Testament and we see pictures of, of time and time again of what our commitment to one another looks like. But I hope just from even just those two pictures that you're seeing how biblical and how important it is for Christians to be formally committed to a local body. Because we're not going to grow as disciples apart from this committed commitment to one another. So if you're here and if you're if you're not a member of a local church, I just want to lovingly encourage you to think about these things. To see the intentional commitment that's supposed to define your Christian life. And to take a and I just encourage you to take a step towards church membership. Whether that's here, and I certainly would love it if that was the case, or whether it's in any Bible-believing, gospel-preaching church. Christian life is, is meant to be lived in commitment to one another. So I do just want to remind you, as Chad mentioned earlier, that we do have our Discovering Grace Church class starting next week. And so if you think that God might be calling you to commit to a mutual discipleship in the life of this church, or if you just want to find out more, please come. Please come and see how God might want to use you to grow in your discipleship here in this local body. And for all of our members, as I mentioned earlier, I just want to thank you for seeing and for living out this commitment. I know 
that I'm not the only one who's benefited from our commitment to mutual discipleship here in this house. But I also want to encourage you to remember, remember. You know, there's this saying that vision weeps. And it's certainly true when it comes to church membership. And I know how easy it can be to lose sight and to forget the why of our church membership, to forget why have I committed to this body? Why is it important that I do that? that you're seeing that is that it's important for us to formally commit ourselves to this body, this body of other believers so that we might grow, that the body might build itself up in love. So we've just defined our commitment. Like you might be wondering, what does this look like? How does this get played out? And so that returns to our second point, our commitment In the New Testament, we see many examples of what this commitment looks like. And we certainly don't have time to look at all of them this morning. But as we try to get a glimpse of how our commitment gets lived out, I want to look at two pictures of how members in local churches are called to relate to one another. The first is in Romans 12. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, you can follow along on the screen. But this first picture that we, we see of what, it, what our commitment looks like is what I'm calling sacrificial care for one another. In Romans 12, 9-13, Paul calls the believers in the church in Rome to this. He says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. And seek to show hospitality. And these just jam-packed verses that I think we'll be returning to again later in this series. We're seeing their commitment played out. We're seeing their commitment on display as believers in the church in Rome sacrificially care for one another. We see this as they love one another with brotherly affection because they're a family. We see this in how they pray for one another. Paul tells them to, to pray constantly. We see this as they financially contribute to the needs of others and as they open up their homes to members in need. And isn't this a, a compelling picture? what our commitment looks like? And don't we want to be a member of a church that's committed to each other like this? And I'm just so grateful that by God's grace that I'm able to be a part of a sacrificial, caring community like this. Over the past couple weeks, as, as we, as my family, as we've been walking through the declining health of Donna's grandma, we have just felt so loved and so so grateful for that. People just tangibly living out what Paul's writing here in Romans 12. People dropping off meals, watching our girls on minutes notice, people going out of their way to make sure that we're being cared for, to making sure that our needs are known. And it's truly a remarkable thing. We don't see this out in the world. People out in the world don't care for each other like this. But in the church, we, we see this wonderful picture of our, display, of our commitment on display as we sacrificially care. And I just want to thank you 
above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength of God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. God has given His people gifts and are called to use these gifts in the context of the local church that we might serve one another. I find it so fascinating that Peter writes that we, we should do this without grumbling. Because he knows our temptation. He knows the, the temptation in our hearts. He knows that it's hard to serve each other as he's calling us to do so. You know, we don't naturally want to serve other people. At least I don't naturally want to serve other people. But in light of what God has done for us in Christ, in light of our mutual commitment to each other's discipleship, we're called to gladly and sacrificially serve one another. Did you notice why we do this? Why we're supposed to live like this? Jesus, this just has filled my heart with joy this last week. Verse 11, where he writes, So that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Friends, we display our commitment to each other. As we display our commitment to each other in sacrificial service, we're glorifying God. As you think about the ways that you are serving in this local church, and some of you are doing it heroically, on multiple teams, getting here early, staying late. Know that you are glorifying God through Christ. You are making much of Christ as you sacrificially serve in this body. Let truth encourage your hearts. Let truth spur you on in your faithful service in this church. You, you see these two pictures. I hope that you're beginning to see our membership in the church is unlike our membership in any other organization. You know, membership in the church isn't like our membership at Costco, or your gym membership, or your Y membership, or your membership in any of your favorite rewards programs. You know, we all have the Starbucks app. You know, these are, these are comfort-based commitments. You know, these are our commitments that we're happy to make as long as they're, they're contributing to our happiness, as long as they're just to our view of the good life, I will keep using that Starbucks app to give me my stuff, you know? But as soon as they start to interfere, as soon as those commitments call for sacrifice, then we're out. You know, Costco raises their membership fees. Starbucks only gives one star for every dollar instead of two. We, just, we find a new gym. We find a new shopping club. We find a new whatever it is. But unlike those commitments, commitment in the local church it's not primarily about the benefits of belonging. You know, this isn't to say you're wrong to ask of any church, what will I get out of this? We just can't only ask that question. Because unlike these comfort-based commitments all around us, in the church we're called to have calling-based commitments. We're called to commit to each other. Our commitments to each other our commitment to each other's mutual discipleship. We're called to serve and care for one another, even when it gets hard, even when it's
difference between renting something and owning something, right? You're, you're renting a car, you're, you're far less likely to be concerned about the tire pressure, to be concerned about what it looks like than when you own it. You know, when we own something, it's just, there is that sense of ownership. It's ours. It reflects part of, of who we are. So we have this, we have this responsibility to it. The same is to be true to our commitment to the local church. It's possible that we just rent our commitment. You know, we, we commit when it's easy, we commit when it's convenient. But when things get hard, it's just best to say, I'm going to take the And again, there, there are good reasons to leave the church. Don't hear me, hear me saying that. In some cases, it could be a, a sin to not leave a church. But by and large, are we, are we finding ourselves more renting the church? Or do we find ourselves owning the church? Do we find ourselves looking at this local church right here, this church this morning, and say, yes, that, that is my church. Part of that reflects part of who I am and what I look like. And I think, as we see in the New Testament, that, that God is calling us to have this ownership, to have this sense that we own this commitment to each other in the local church. So we open this sermon by looking at a pair of sins sisters prevented from experiencing Disneyland because of fear. Well, years later, they both ended up visiting Disneyland. But they didn't just visit. Going there once, they got year passes. You see, experiencing Disneyland as it was meant to be experienced on the inside, experiencing Disneyland as Walt Disney had envisioned for them, it was better than anything they had imagined. And they wanted to experience that over and over and over. And the same can be true for you and me in our experience the local church. And as we've been seeing, we'll experience the Christian life as God designed it, as He intended it, as He wants us to experience it, as we commit.